Yes, it's time to decide once more the song that will bring fame to the country of its origin. And first, here is the song from Germany. Next comes the Italian entry. Minestrone. You cannot beat it. I always eat it, but never on a Monday. And now, the British song. When I'm low, 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 I get high, high, high. And we have a ball, I do love, and I always... And there we must leave... There we must leave the International Song Contest. That was an excerpt from Tunes of Glory. <laughs> the last in our series, a film worth remembering, which is more than can be said for the next half hour. <laughs> However, for those with patience and understanding, here is a sort of radio show which is beyond our kept. Among those taking part are Thorkel Marley Pride and the Villiers Flambaudet with their musical milk bottles, <laughs> Peters and Chalfont, the Glyndebourne All-Stars, <laughs> Kenneth Williams... I know her, she's... Oh, that's me. <laughs> well, make the change. To continue, Nesta Robbins... <laughs> The Caliph of Chichester, and of course, Mr. Kenneth Horn, who prefers to remain anonymous. Ladies and gentlemen, Kenneth Horn. Hello, good evening. Welcome to Beyond Our Ken. And as this is the last program in the present series, I feel we should pay tribute to those behind the scenes, from the man who takes the tickets right down to the head of variety. <laughs> For instance, now, there's our very efficient team of sound effects men who, whenever we've asked for, always give us a... <laughs> Mind you, one of these chaps is rather sensitive, and if he thought I was being critical, he might just possibly... <laughs> oh, he has. <laughs> well, we'll go through his effects later. And now, now a word about our sound engineer who sits there turning the knobs on a complicated control panel. He's a nice chap. Always wishes us good luck. So, Ron, the same to you with knobs on. <laughs> now, during the course of this series, we've had many, many letters from our listeners. Some technically-minded people have been interested in the work that goes on in getting a show like this on the air. Now, a typical letter reads, How on earth does a show like yours ever get on radio? However, one particular listener wrote to us the other week asking if anything was ever cut out of Beyond Our Ken. Well, I'm afraid the answer to that is yes. Over the past weeks, there have been several bits which were not broadcast. So we thought you'd like to hear them now. <laughs> Here, then, is a medley of cuts from Beyond Our Ken. I, uh, 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 oh. The program was projected by Juice Brown. 
<laughs> you see, can I hear violins? It's magic. <laughs> Hello, good evening, and welcome to Beyond Our Ken. The show has been compared with Lady Chatterley, because, as one listener put it, it's the Hornet. Oh, sorry, I turned over three pages. <laughs> I'm too far away from the microphone. Oh, William, stop that, please. <laughs> well, there you are. That's what you missed. But now we come to some listeners' letters that are different. These are genuine. <laughs> yes, well, quite a few people seem to have remembered a show business feature we did some time ago and have asked us to do a new edition of it. So stand by for the second issue of our glossy theatrical magazine of the air. And on stage, please, calling London across the footlights. Showtime. Yes, once again, from the world of the stage, we bring you a world of entertainment. The bright, shining stars of the theatre who go to make up the glittering, glamorous, exciting business of show business. Yes, the spotlight swings across. Now get on with it. <laughs> Must be Albert Finney. <laughs> yes, the spotlight swings across the stage and brings into focus the best in entertainment just for you. <laughs> your compare, a man who certainly needs no introduction. Then don't bother to give me one. How do you do? <laughs> How do you do, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show. Now, the theatre itself offers a wide variety these days. One art form gaining considerable popularity is the one-man show. Recitals of the works of Dickens and Oscar Wilde, for instance. And tonight, we marched along one very well-known actor who has specialized in this sphere. Mr. Fred Lawton. Thank you, my dear chap. <laughs> I'm delighted to be with you. Yes, we're delighted to have you. Thank so you nice. very much. Not at all. Charming. Tell us, um, are these rather highbrow verse readings of yours well received? Rapturously. I think I can safely say the beauty of English prose, well read, brings many a tear to me audience. Go on then, Fatty, make us cry. <laughs> Who said that? You thought I'd have cast a dripping open boat for that food of water? Yes, yes, yes. I yes, have... Yes. Thank you, sir. <laughs> uh, I wonder if we could prevail upon you to read something for us now. I'd be delighted. Where's my book, Standing Glasses? They're right here. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, the history of English verse has been long and glorious. I should like to read you first one of my own particular papers. May I have absolute quiet, please? <laughs> Thank you. There was a young lady called Nellie who was tattooed all yes, over. I haven't finished yet. Well, I'm sorry if that's all we can allow. So it's mutiny on the BBC, is it? Good night. I'll let to see you hanging from the highest yard arm in the British Navy. I won't be treated like this. Oh, And now, fabulous songs from the fabulous shows. Yes, from a fabulous show comes a fabulous song. It's the fabulous lover, and here to sing it is the fabulous 
Janet Waters. Yes, there's a young man by the name of Linnell Burke, <laughs> whose fantastic success in the musical world hasn't changed him a bit. He's still a simple lad from the East End. So, you want to know which of my four cars I came in? <laughs> well, good evening, Mr. Burke. Good evening, sir. Let's talk about your wonderful show, Nicky, based on Nicholas Mitchell. Now, it's set for a long run, and I understand Hollywood has been to the film ride. Uh, yes, that's true, but I turned it down. Oh, why? Well, they wanted to make it into a musical. Mm. Have you any uh, any special ambition? Oh, yes, yes. I'd like to have a go at rewriting some of the Shakespeare stuff. So it'll always be remembered, you know. <laughs> I've, uh, I've got a few ideas, all right, already, such as uh, Midsummer Night's Kip. <laughs> Macbeth the Knife. And, uh, uh, Merry Chicks of Windsor. <laughs> And what about your immediate plan? Well, my, my next musical is Gulliver. That's uh, Gulliver's Travels, you know. Oh, I see. You're, you're deserting Dickens, then. Oh, no, 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 no. Of course not. You made quite a good job of that story of my show. It's uh, <laughs> just that I, I haven't been able to get in touch with him. <laughs> Mr. Bird, uh, Charles Dickens is dead. No. <laughs> so when did he happen? 1870. Oh. Well, that's show business. <laughs> and thank you for coming along, Linnell Burke. Well, the passing years in the theatre have certainly seen some changes. In fact, there's been quite a heated controversy recently between the old school of Noel Coward-type drawing room plays and the new school of realistic kitchen sink drama. In our opinion, both schools have respective merits, and it is perhaps an argument that should be settled by compromise. 
Is there not room for the two, side by side? We present A Taste of Bittersweet. The scene is a shabby room where three human beings are living in squalor, which is just outside Salford. Oh, shut up. Them ruddy trains drive me mad. <laughs> you don't seem to mind them, Mr. Donald. Well, you know, I've got some swim tea. After all, I've been a luxury for some time now, haven't I? I've been finished with the kitchen sink. I want a bath. <laughs> right, so. Just above the frying pan and put it onto the bed. Oh, Lord, now. There's Darcy. I haven't ironed his new silk dressing gown yet. Oh, never mind. <laughs> You'd better get on with that little game of hide-and-seek you play every night. I, I thought of a good new place to hide. Amanda, where are you? <laughs> you're, not, uh, you're not hanging out of the window again, are you? Amanda, come there, I'll tell you. I'm up here on the chandelier. <laughs> I'll get down. No, no, don't move. Let me pick you just as you are, with the light shining in your eyes. I'm coming down. Ooh. Ooh. Right on gathering. Ooh. Ooh. My ruddy foot's hot. Dance, 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 little lady. Dance. <laughs> oh, hello, Mr. Donald. Are you terribly, terribly well? <laughs> Who brought me along? I'm warming up that kipper for last Monday's breakfast. Oh. So we're dining in tonight. Good. I like the candles on the table. Funny things candles, I always think. Eskimos eat them, you know. How dreadfully disgusting. <laughs> Here, look. Here's a nice cup of tea. Thank God. Oh, Amanda. <laughs> Come over here, Amanda, and sit beside me on the dustbin. <laughs> Amanda, you're more lovely than ever. Well, I give over. Go on, give over, not in front of Mr. Donald. Oh, go on, now, I don't mind. It's better than watching telly. <laughs> Amanda, can't we ever have private lives? Amanda, your sweet, tender fragrance fills my life with joy. Those delicate lips were fashioned in rubies from the temples of love. Oh, I think I've been bitten. <laughs> this is getting jolly exciting. Amanda, my arm. Here, where are we going? There is a magical moment awaiting us both. Come, let us go out onto the balcony. There's no balcony here, you ruddy fool. <laughs> and now to our resident songsters, ladies and gentlemen, the Hornets. When Johnny comes marching home again, hurrah, hurrah, we'll give him a hearty welcome then, hurrah, hurrah. The men will cheer, the boys will shout, the ladies say we'll all turn out and we'll all feel gay when Johnny comes marching home. And we'll all feel gay when Johnny comes marching home. The old church bells will peal with joy, hurrah, 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 hurrah. To welcome home, my darling boy, hurrah, 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 hurrah. The village lads and lassies say we'll sound the same, we'll sound away, and we'll all feel gay when Johnny comes marching home. And we'll all feel gay when Johnny comes marching home. 
Documentary feature, Hornorama. Yes, once again, Kenneth Horn and his team of investigators bring you a factual report on topics of immediate interest. And this week we present a close-up on history. What were the most significant dates in English history? 1066, the Battle of Hastings. 1215, the signing of the Magna Carta. Or 1958, the start of Beyond Our Camp. Well, now, this is a somewhat unusual Hornorama this week. It's not so much a factual report as a rather fanciful one. We wondered what would be the result if it was possible to actually interview or listen to some of the great historical figures. So first, let's have a word with that wicked old tyrant, King John Birkinshaw. <laughs> now, you were a bit of a devil, I believe. Uh, that is so, yes. <laughs> they said I was the worst king in history. A ruthless, vicious swine. <laughs> A real oppressor, you might say. But, uh, alas, I was forced to sign a Magna Carta by the barons whose castles and lands I had snatched with violence. A, uh, a uh, setback to your career. Alas and alas, yes. But uh, there was even more disastrous occurrences. There'd been incidents of unrest in the north, and I was forced to take steps by addressing the citizens of Norwich. <laughs> oh, it was exhausting. My speech lasted six hours. And what happened? My belongings got lost in the wash. Oh, thank you, King John. Now I know what they meant by one of the worst reigns in history. <laughs> now, here's another very famous gentleman. Your name, sir? Christopher Columbus. Oh, yes, yes. Well, sir, of all your voyages, I think the one you are undoubtedly remembered by is your discovery of America. Now, would you care to comment on that? Yes. Well, we all make mistakes. <laughs> Well, now we're privileged indeed to meet one of the most remarkable old characters of all time, Rip Van Winkle. <laughs> Good evening, sir. Good evening. Uh, Mr. Winkle. I've just come in. I've sat in 40 winks. Uh, good evening. Good evening to you, sir. Good evening, Mr. Thank Winkle. Thank you very much. Now, sir. Now, very nice. Uh, Would you, would you tell us something about this amazing sleep of yours? 
Oh, well, sir, one night I went out into the woods and sat down against a dirty great oak tree. Uh, yes, I, 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 ate, I ate a cup of that stuff, you know. Uh, and then I must have dozed off. I see. Now, yes. how long did you sleep for? Uh, does it have to be historically accurate? Well, no. Then it was 35 years. How long, sir? 35 years. Well, a sleep that lasted that long is absolutely incredible. Now, tell me, sir, when you... When you... When you woke up, when you woke up, what was the first thing you did? Well, what would you do if you'd been asleep for 35 years? I, I, how would you do? I had a shame. on our history. Let's go back to the very beginnings, right back, in fact, to the primitive life of the cave dwellers. What was it really like in the Stone Age? Hello, Rodney. Hello, Charles. <laughs> I say, isn't that a new skin you're wearing? Mm, a lovely bit of fur. It's <laughs> real stuff, too. I get it wholesale, you know. Mm. Been hunting? Yes, I bagged another bison. Honestly, I'm getting sick of the same old animal. Yes, you have had rather bison war, haven't you? <laughs> Well, you are an old Paleolithic wag. <laughs> Still, I wish I could get something else for a change. Well, Robert, why not try Stone Ridges? They're having a mammoth sale this week. <laughs> I dare. Well, come on in and see my cave. I must apologize for the state it's in. I've been doing another mural on the wall. You and Josh? <laughs> you old long hair. Oh, it's my latest. Of course, it's only a crude painting. So I see. <laughs> I call it What the Diner Saw. <laughs> By the way, I'm sorry it's quite cold in here. There's no fire today. You need a new flint. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> Charles, I heard that one in the ice age. <laughs> well, Robert, I must say you've got a nice cave here. Well, it's not bad, except for the plumbing. That's positively prehistoric. Oh, I say, what a lovely set of clubs. Yes, I made them last week. Trouble is, I never get time to play. <laughs> Well, Charles, I've got a big surprise for you now. I have, I have. My latest gadget, a radio set. What is that? I know. You're 50,000 years ahead of your time. Isn't it a marvelous thing? You can actually hear people speaking on it. Today? What on earth have you heard? Well, yesterday I listened to the first edition of Mrs. Dale's Diary. If it were possible for the BBC to have sent a commentator roving through history, I wonder what event he would have covered, especially Cecil Snape. Well, listen, I'm speaking to you from the 16th century, where I'm attending a magnificent banquet, or as the local people here prefer it, an orgy. <laughs> Wine is flowing freely, and as for the food, well, I've never seen such a blowout. The young men and maidens are scattered about the place. <laughs> the devil. <laughs> And I must say, they make you a very amusing sight. <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> 
I'm not too sure where the BBC has sent me, but I have noticed one I or two... Handsome man, your what? glass is empty. Let me fill it for you. There. Thank you. <laughs> Everyone is so charming and attentive in this place. <laughs> I drink to my hope. Mm. Oh, this is Cecil Smith from the house of Lucretia Borgia, returning in <laughs> <to> the studio. <laughs> Finally, in this somewhat historic honorama, let's eavesdrop on two of the world's most famous lovers. Josephine! Where now, you, you silly old faggot? I'm in my boudoir, darling. It's me, Napoleon. Like a drop of brandy? No, not tonight, Josephine. Tell me, why are you so late? I got held up at Waterloo. Napoleon, <laughs> what's the matter? Have you lost your wallet? You old boiler. <laughs> I always keep me hand in me jacket. <laughs> well, have you missed me? Of course I have my sweet. <laughs> Good. Then let's... Ooh. Here. Here, just a minute, hello. Look what I found. Something the matter, my beloved. Yes, there is, Josephine. What are these men's boots doing in your boudoir? Oh, those. They're Wellingtons. Well, there you are. That's all from Beyond Our Ken for the present. We would like to thank the many, many listeners who sent us those delightful closing thoughts. And if we didn't happen to use yours yet, well, we hope to be back sometime in the near future. However, our final thought in this series comes from a listener in Cardiff who says, as your closing thoughts are always so good, why don't listeners write the rest of the show? <laughs> Over my dead body. Well, no one's indispensable. Good night. <laughs> You might have been listening to or have just missed Beyond Our Ken, a sort of recorded radio show in which you heard Kenneth Horne, not to mention Kenneth Williams, Hugh Paddock, Betty Marsden, Bill Pertwee, Janet Waters, The Hornet, and the BBC Variety Orchestra conducted by Paul Fennelly. The incidental music for the series was by Edwin Braden, script and lyrics by Eric Merriman, your announcer was Douglas Smith, and the show was produced by Jake Brown. <laughs>